0: Welcome back to Freelance Creative Exchange, a podcast for creative freelancers in Asia. My name is Raven and I'm the producer for the show. Last year, we ran the first ever Asia Podcast Festival and Awards, a platform we created to recognise and honour the members of the Asia podcasting community. We are very excited to announce that the Asia Podcast Festival and Awards will be back this year. Follow Asia Podcast Festival on Instagram and Facebook, or subscribe to our newsletter for more updates. In the meantime, please check out our new mini series where we feature past winners from the Asia Podcast Awards. So, today we are really excited to speak to Victor Lee, one of the producers behind the award winning drama Earth Eclipsed. Earth Eclipsed is the winner for the best comedy. Entertainment and lifestyle podcast category, and they're also the overall winners for the best podcast in the Asia Podcast Awards 2021. So welcome to this uh special team episode, Victor. So today we really want to find out from you about the process of making uh an award-winning audio drama. And also, you know, we want to catch up with you because it's been a while since we last talked back in no- uh December.
1: Hi, Hi Raven. Happy yeah. to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Great! Do you want to talk a bit about? Your background then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I feel like I've always been passionate about storytelling and about uh, film particularly. Like uh, growing up my you know classic story, my dad gave me a camera. I really like to use the camera to you know do school projects and tell stories and uh, always was uh, very drawn to this storytelling medium and what I could achieve with with just showing images coupled with music and uh, how I could use the medium to tell any sort of story. And uh, going into university, I knew that I wanted to uh, potentially do something in that medium. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be in uh, in the creative world and in the creative realm. And then, Uh, Coming out of college, I did find a a job in Los Angeles, in California, in the U.S., uh, working for a Hollywood production company. And there I just learned everything from uh, business development, sales, communication, uh, how to develop IPs, how to develop uh, IPs being like uh, projects, right? Like how do you develop a project from the ground up? Uh, this production company was working primarily in the field of kids and family content, and so I had a lot of exposure to how how to make a, a project like that profitable. What are the sales, right? What are studios looking for when you pitch a family project? And I just had a, I was just very intensely into this world of. Of IP building, of world building, and content building, uh, and I worked primarily in the business and the strategy side of those projects. So that is how I got like that was my first uh, foray in in this in this industry professionally in the Hollywood industry in, in storytelling, and that's where uh, I learned most of most of the things I know today, and uh, that's where I decided to to pursue this uh, further and and to really stay in, in this industry. It's a very Compelling industry with a lot of opportunities, but that is how I got started into into storytelling and IP. And doing that job, uh, one thing that you know, me and my co-founders, we all work together at this at this other company, uh, Nick and AJ. And we we grew frustrated with how Hollywood content is so difficult to actually produce. Right, like you imagine. All of these production companies all of the creators writers putting together pitches and putting together series you know for you to sell to netflix or amazon or the big streamers and it's very frustrating how slow that process is for a creative especially us like coming out of school fresh out of college like we wanted to do things fast we wanted to to build things fast and you know we were hungry to to do things to tell a story and so we quickly grew frustrated about the Hollywood industry actually. And we were like, Oh my God, you know, it just takes, it just takes a lot of time and a lot of money to put something together and, and be able to, to get in, get it in front of the right people. And so uh, even the company we worked with was having problems uh, pitching the project around. And I remember going one afternoon, we were at a at Nick's house having, having some barbecue or something. And then, I was like, hey, why don't we try doing something that all of us can do, like the three of us could do right now. And without without any sort of third party resources, without having to pitch, we just go at it and try to do something. And the idea of audio came at that moment because AJ is a very talented musician and he's a very talented sound designer. He had worked with uh, different film composers in Hollywood before and in major projects as well. Nick was a fantastic storyteller. He was a, a phenomenal writer, and I was pretty much like the business guy, and uh, and the producer. And I was like, "Hey, let's just try to do something together here." And uh, and this is how it started. We were we were very frustrated with the experience we were having in in Hollywood, and then we decided to create something that we all could do it with a very low barrier to entry. And it started out as a as a hobby. So that's how. That's how it started for us in podcasting, um, and that was our first venture into audio. And ever since, it's just been a, a huge learning learning curve for us. Like uh, we've been learning so much about podcasting, about this industry, about what to do, what not to do, where to go, and so uh, it's been a very rewarding journey for sure.
0: Thanks for sharing, Victor. That's a very interesting journey. But why podcast in particular, though? Because like I understand that most people they were. Why not like start a short film, you know, or YouTube series, why a podcast?
1: Yeah, uh, so I think, I think all of those other mediums, YouTube, anything that involves video, it would require a much higher uh, investment from us. We had very limited funds back in the day. I think we spent very little money to do the pilot, to do the first episode, and uh, we really didn't want to. Uh, Spend more, and and we really didn't didn't have the means to do that, and so for us it was like uh we could go into video. That's where Nick and uh, Nick is an animator by uh by education. He went to school for animation. He worked in animation after after school, and we we all worked in the visual medium, but I think visual medium has those limitations in terms of funding, in terms of resources. It's very difficult for you to do something good, and podcast. Podcast is an interesting medium because it allows anyone could potentially come into the medium, right? Anyone could come and do and do a podcast, and um, and the beauty of podcasting for fiction in specific is that we allow we allow listeners to imagine the worlds and imagine the stories and the characters with us. So there was something there for us that we were as storytellers that we were like, hey, we we would love to have the audience be an active participant in our storytelling process and and that is magical that is <laughs> podcasting is the only medium right that allows anything remotely like this uh, not even books I feel like books are very descriptive right books you you do have some uh, imagination and some active participation but books are extremely descriptive it's it feels like an audiobook uh, in that sense and we wanted to create something a bit more immersive a bit more, um, a bit more active that requires an active participation from from the from the listener, and uh, and yeah, this is why we we chose audio because um, it was really something that all of us could do, the three of us could do by ourselves. We didn't depend it. We didn't depend on any other party to make it happen, and it was just up to us. And that was there was something magical about this medium as as a storytelling medium. I'm
0: really curious, like how much money do you spend to create your pilot? I gave it a shed
1: Yes, yes. So the pilot, we spent uh, less than $5,000. Uh, the three of us pitched in a little bit. Uh, we just created it as a proof of concept. We wanted to make something that we could potentially um, explore into a larger season. So the whole strategy behind the the pilot was we were going to make that one episode and then we would use that episode to pitch it around. We would go to the podcasting companies. We would go to iHeartRadio, to Spotify, to Gimlet, um, to Wondery, right? And we would go to all of these companies pitching our show so they could fund the entire season. So this is why we decided to pitch in some money. Uh, we basically hired the actors ourselves. Like, we did all the casting process. Nick did all the writing. I did the producing. Uh, Nick also directed the episode. Um and aj was the musician so we we really had almost like very low cost the only cost we had was for was for actors uh that we paid and uh we actually did actually it was it was actually much much cheaper than five thousand because uh three thousand was for the studio that we had rented and uh we had spent three thousand just for the studio uh but it happened that uh we were about to record in march 2020 in here in california And on the week that we went to record, uh, the governor of California here announced, uh, it was the first state in the US to announce uh, stay at home orders due to COVID-19. And uh, California was the first state to be under that order. And so, first week of March, we were about to record, and then we had to cancel everything. Oh dear! Uh, we canceled. We canceled the studio, so we didn't even end up uh, paying the studio. They they uh, they canceled the contract, and so we just spent uh, like about a thousand dollars maybe for actors, uh, and not even that. And and all of our, all of the rest of the labor was was done by by the three of us.
0: What platform do you use to do all that remote recording? Because it sounds really very high
1: quality. Yeah, yeah we. We actually try different things. Um, what we do is uh, we get everyone on Zoom. So we had a Zoom session and all of the actors would join in and each actor would record their part on, on their computer. So most of the actors were using Audacity or using like a free software and they would uh, just record locally. Uh, but their audio would also go into Zoom, so our actors would interact with each other. That was one of the main things our director Nick um, actually demanded because uh, he's a very he, he's a very big audiobook consumer. Uh, Nick, and before going into this, before doing this project, he he had listened to many many different audiobooks. And he really didn't like the fact that audiobooks were a bit uh, stale in, in, the, in the performance. They were mostly like narrator based. And when they had like different actors playing different characters, it felt like they were just reading the lines. And so he wanted to do something that was much more dynamic. And he felt like the characters were together in the same space. And so we just used Zoom and the, the local recording device.
0: I actually have produced my own uh audio drama pilot before and I absolutely agree with Nick. I think like I have my um, voice over actors in the studio. It was a bit of a challenge because Singapore, we went through a couple of like lockdowns and restrictions and stuff. I mean, I'm really impressed by you guys. Yours really actually kind of blown me away when I listened to it because I think you have a very good plot. I mean, the first episode was very intense, uh, I guess in a way like what your audience have mentioned like a roller coaster right the sound design was very well thought out and so i wouldn't have thought that this is the first ever podcast project you guys have ever done because it sounds like you know so experienced so do you want to talk to us a bit more like how um the actual recording itself
1: yeah absolutely so the actual recording process was um so for the pilot, it was, uh, it was supposed to be in person, uh, but then it got canceled and then we, we had to quickly pivot to, to a remote setting. And the remote setting brought more surprises to us than, than negative impacts because we realized at that point um, that we could tap into actors all across the world right? and we could work with anyone, basically. And we didn't have to constrain ourselves to Los Angeles like we were before. And so one of the best things that came out of this uh, remote setting was the fact that we were able to work with actors in four different countries, uh, different time zones. I think we have like five or six different time zones. We worked with, the, with an actor in Australia, uh, some in the UK, uh, most in North America. And we realized that there was no more barriers to talent. And I think that was one of the main main things that came out of this remote setting and uh i think that the challenge of that though is that you need to coordinate your recording sessions to be in a in a good time for everyone right especially if you want to have everyone in the same in the same recording session and that was one of the main challenges uh for me as a producer like i had to understand where everyone was and what scenes we could record in what time and try to organize, literally try to put everything together like a t- Tetris kind of vibe, and uh, trying to match people together that were in similar time zones. So that was an interesting challenge, uh, definitely to 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 meet. And uh, as I like like planning and logistical stuff, I I actually enjoyed that challenge. But um, that was the remote um, the remote setting. It was um, it came as a pleasant surprise in the sense that we were able to tap into talent all across the world.
0: So after you record it, so how do you put in all the different pieces together to form the narrative structure?
1: Oh yes. So post production. So that would be with my with my partner AJ. He he was the one who headed post production. But uh because we didn't have a lot of resources, what we ended up doing is all three of us, me, Nick and AJ, we all like uh got the raw recording files. So the actors will send us um their recording files, usually like two hours long of, of audio. And um, my, my, my partners and I, we would go on there and uh, each one of us would get an audio file and we would splice it according to the lines. So AJ, uh, AJ and Nick on the script, they wrote, after each line on the script, they wrote a little number. So a number from one to 100. And, and we, we used that number to identify the lines uh, inside the audio files. And we spliced them. So we would just get that part of the audio. uh, And we would label it as, you know, episode one, line two or something. And then uh, AJ and then Nick would review all of the different takes of the same line. Pick the best lines. Pick the best combination of lines. And then AJ would just put it all together. And then AJ would craft all of the soundscape. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the the first process is uh, putting together the dialogue, edits, So we want to make sure that it sounds good. Uh, the The whole episode, first of all, without sound effects, without anything else, sounds good. Like the dialogues are working together. The lines are working together. The performances are working together. And then later, uh, AJ put the put the sound design, and the music. I think the music was the very last thing he did. Yeah, it was a it was a very uh it was probably the the process that took the the longest time, not counting pre production. Pre production, we took a year to write the script. Uh, we took a, a long time to write that script, and uh, but uh, AJ AJ, I believe, finished everything in three months, three months or less.
0: Wow, that that's really amazing. Thanks for taking us through the process. Uh, so. So that was the pilot, right? Or is it the entire production?
1: Yeah, so the pilot, that was the pilot. And uh, the pilot was a very good experiment for us because once we finished the pilot, we were like, wow, this actually sounds pretty intriguing. Like we really enjoy it. And people that we show it to uh, are enjoying it as well. And uh, and we use the pilot to pitch it everywhere. We, we pitch to every single podcasting company. And then everyone would tell us the same things. They would say, hey, I think this sounds great. This is um, never heard anything like this before, but we already have a sci-fi project here. And, and so most of the production companies, most of the podcast companies, they did not want to double down on sci-fi. Sci-fi is a risky genre, according to these production companies, to these podcast companies. And so, and they really wanted to like, they wanted to look after the the genres that, that historically performed well, right? Like true crime and, um, you know, I'm not even sure what other genres, just true crime. But uh, but yeah, sci-fi was a, was a hard sell. Like they, they, they wouldn't, no one wanted to buy sci-fi because they already had another sci-fi project in the works. Or they considered it too risky. And then what ended up happening is, by the time we were pitching Tribeca Festival, which is um, a major festival in New York, it's run by Robert De Niro, and it's been uh, it's been running for over twenty years now. And uh, Tribeca, for the first time ever, they announced the podcast lineup, and this was right by the time that we finished our our pilot episode. And all they asked for, for, for submission was episode one. They just wanted episode one. And then we were like, oh my God, we're in luck here. Let's submit this. And we submitted episode one to Tribeca and uh, we got in very, uh, very lucky to get in, but we got in and um, it, it changed our lives forever at that moment onwards. And we were able to use that to, to get funding, to make the entire series and, um, and gave us confidence as creators to move forward and as as a business too to move forward
0: so th- it was really interesting because like, um I think it was a lot of good timing as well how what was the reception at the film festival like like how do people feel about it because I was also surprised to to see that they are you know featuring uh podcasts like um because being a traditional film uh festival right and why I mean, I know there are a lot of audio dramas out there and a lot of good ones. Like you said, true crime do really well, but compared to like audio dramas, which I think most of them, I would say they have a challenge in monetizing in that sense. Yeah,
1: you are absolutely correct. And, um, you know, one of the main assumptions we had going into this was that we would be able to monetize very easily. And uh, we had that assumption. We were like, hey, let's make the... Let's make the full season, and then we just put ads in it, and you know we sell ads. Ads are very good to sell, and and we thought it was gonna be easy, an easy process. Uh, but we quickly learned that that's not the case, and um, uh, so again, like going into the podcasting industry, we knew zero things. We knew a total of nothingness. Uh, but what we knew is that um, fiction podcasts were becoming big. We saw a bunch of people coming into podcasting and fiction podcasting in specific. A lot of big name creators joining the medium, and um, and we decided to take a bet on it, right? But um, I guess the business side and the business strategy, the way how we how we were able to raise and justify it to our investors, was showing the the potential end goal of creating something good. We we told them, look, if we're able to create a, a podcast, a fiction podcast that is able to get an audience that is able to sustain itself across seasons the bet here is that in a few years this could be worth you know a lot to hollywood again it's always looking into that hollywood market because that's where the money is it's a very uh it's the only way to monetize it uh at tribeca tribeca this year uh, or last year i should say in 2021 tribeca decided to recognize podcasts because they are they like to recognize storytelling in all mediums. So they were one of the first film festivals to recognize VR storytelling and AR using like virtual reality and using uh, immersive technologies to tell a story. And uh, they recently recognized uh, podcasting as well because they understood that podcasting is a very big storytelling medium. It's a, it's a very legitimate way and it's a democratic way like anyone anyone can grab a microphone here and you know you don't even need a microphone you, you just need like a like a phone uh, a lot of our actors didn't have a microphone and they used uh, their um, their iPhones or their mobile phones uh, microphones to record and so we did see a lot of uh, the barrier to entering this medium is is very low and it, that is good because you give more opportunities to more people to create And um, and so Tribeca wanted to recognize that and uh, recognize storytelling in audio. For us, going to Tribeca, it was the most transformative experience we could have. You are 100% correct in saying that timing worked out. When people ask us about luck, I I think this is what luck means. Like, everything conspired for us to be there. Like, uh, we had finished the pilot... You know, just in time for the for the submission period, and you know, I had the luck of seeing the the post, the the submission, the call for submission, and so everything everything sort of conspired for us to be there, and it was a transformative experience because we we had the chance to meet so many creators in the space. We met uh, James Kim, who made Moonface. Uh, a very big Asian American creator as well, here based in California. We met uh, two productions based in Brooklyn, the makers of Limetown. And with every conversation that we had with these creators, we asked them, we were like, hey, teach us, how did you how did you make your show a hit? And, and what are your tips? And then basically both of them said, well, you have to sell your project to Hollywood, to another company. This is how you make money. There's no other way. And that moment we... <laughs> We felt like it was like a like a bucket of cold water for us. Like we were just like, oh my god, this is the only way to make to make money with this medium, and they were pretty pretty straightforward with us, and and you know it it was a a bit depressing in that sense because they were like, yep, this is the only way. Uh, is to sell your project to Hollywood. Is to that's where the money is, and ads will not give you much. And we're like, okay, okay, and so it was a huge learning process for us, and um. And after we found out, found out these, these issues, we decided to pivot to Apollo. And this is where we started creating the, the platform, uh, the podcast app for fiction podcasts, because we were like, hey, there's, there's gotta be a better way to, to do this.
0: Thanks for the very, I think, very honest uh, sharing of your experience. Like, I totally agree. Even in Asia, it's also close to impossible to monetize fiction podcasts as well. Apart from Tribeca, uh, how are you distributing and uh, marketing the Earth
1: Eclipse as well? So um, I think during Tribeca, our, our mission, our objective there was to sell the project. We were, uh, we were like, let's try to get this distributed. And by that, we meant let's try to get a deal with Spotify, with Audible, um, with Apple. All of those people were at Tribeca as well. So we had the chance to meet them, the, the representatives of those companies. And uh, we also fell on their face with that. We realized that they, that fiction is just too risky for, for all of them to take. Uh, they really were not interested in, in taking fiction as a bet at the moment. And we realized quickly on that we depended on, on those companies now to, to distribute. Because even though we released our show... And we released our show via Open RSS, So it was available in every single podcasting platform. The thing is, you can't really get it to people's ears unless unless you have like a, their help, unless you, you do feed drops and feed swaps with other creators. Uh, but we, we cornered ourselves pretty much. And we realized that we were, like, we were dependent on Apple and on Spotify to promote a show on their front page. And that was a huge challenge for us to understand how how the how how would we actually get this to people's ears? And that was um that was a big challenge for us to 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 overcome. We tried so many different things. We tried marketing campaigns through social media, you know, like um Instagram posts and Facebook posts. We tried Google search posts. We tried um, we we partnered with some influencers to promote us. We, we tried feed swaps, and, um, and, uh, and we tried merchandise sales as well. We created a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle of 500 pieces. We thought that that would give people a reason to listen to Earth Eclipsed. And we partnered with so many different puzzle influencers on Instagram to promote the puzzle and promote Earth Eclipsed. But it wasn't that successful. The most successful way that we found was doing feed swaps. And we only tried that very recently. We only tried that a few months ago. Um, So um, yeah, yeah, I would say it's a a very challenging field to get anything distributed. And then part of this frustration uh, also gave us the insight of what we could do with Apollo. We were like, hey, I think there needs to be a place where fiction content is not competing with Joe Rogan. Uh, It's not competing with news shows. It's not competing with other talk shows. It's just there for you to find a fiction show. And we were super frustrated by the fact that on Spotify, on Apple, if you try to look for a fiction show, it's all bundled together under fiction. It's very hard for for you to actually discover fiction shows on those platforms. And um, unless Apple, of course, promotes it uh, in front of you. But um, yeah, it was very complicated and um, we decided to make Apollo out of it as well, out of the frustration with distribution.
0: What is the general, like, after you publish your show, it's out in the world, it's, you know, it's been featured in Tribeca, you know, you're doing feed swaps and everything. What, How have you found the audience uh, reaction so far in that sense? Uh, have they, uh, how, how have they engaged with you in terms of giving you feedback? Or do you have, like, a lawyer community of fans? <laughs> how is it working out?
1: Yeah, no, we we do not have a, a huge community of fans. I think we're still struggling a bit with, with growing our community. Uh, that is one of the main challenges for us right now. But we are, uh, the feedback that we usually get is regarding uh, just the production value that Earth Eclipse brings. Um, we just got a feedback earlier today uh, from a listener who, who told us that it's, um, they love like the immersive nature of our show and how, Intricate the sound design and the soundscape is, um, so we we really take a lot of pride in that and 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 the and the production we were able to accomplish, but uh, yeah, I think uh, you know there are a few tactics of growing of growing your community that a few a few podcasters a few fiction podcasters actually told us about like creating your own Discord community and creating your own like group chat perhaps on WhatsApp on on Telegram or whatever it is, um, but. Being in touch with your community, I think it's an important step and we haven't done that yet.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think more attention is definitely good. Uh, So back to Apollo, the app itself, right? Do you want to take us through the process of making an app? Did you do it yourselves, or do you outsource it out and stuff like that?
1: Of course. When we realized all of the issues that we found with the industry, so after we talked to all of those creators in fiction, uh the people who made limetown and limetown is a huge hit right and yes. and they were they were pretty uh pretty grim about their their forecast of the market and uh, for fiction okay. and i thought they were, were like hey. i thought their show was sold or something Their show got got sold to to facebook facebook made a live adaptation live action adaptation of the show And then now uh, Comcast bought it. Universal bought it. And so... um, But why were they not optimistic
0: about it, though? Because I thought they were a success story. They have not like... At least, like, they've been pitched
1: as a success story. Because I think they're definitely successful like don't, don't don't take me wrong i think they and they have definitely understand that they're successful but i think they still even as successful creators they still face a lot of challenges like they they were making another project now called shipwreck or shipworm i think uh not shipwreck shipworm and shipworm uh they they told us that they were having some uh issues in in getting traction with shipworm uh at the beginning. I'm not sure how it is now. But uh that that idea stayed with us because we were like, hey, these guys, they made a hit show. They sold it to Facebook and they have a huge success story. But every time that they make a new project, it's like starting from zero all over again. It doesn't matter that you had that uh, that other hit. And, uh, and so that is the pattern that we started to recognize. And we recognize that with so many different creators of so many different ranks, even like professional creators, like uh, people who have like a lot of budget, ran into the same issues. And we were like, oh, this is interesting. Like they all, they made a hit with the first one, but then the second one comes around and, and it's like starting from zero all over again. It's like, you have to get marketing for that. You have to get that to people's ears. You have to fight to get that on people's ears. And so that that was the insight for us. That was the moment that for us, we were like, hey, we're gonna make Earth Eclipsed. We're gonna make Earth Eclipsed a hit, right? If in the best case scenario, if we're able to make it a hit. And then whatever project we create next, we're gonna run into the same issues over and over again. And so at that moment, we were like, hey, let's just uh, let's pivot. Let's pivot our company. We had pitched to investors that we were going to become um, a production company and just do work in, in fiction. But then uh, we, we later told them, hey, I think we're going to change our idea and, uh, and create a platform instead. And so uh, this is where Apollo came. And we were like, hey, let's create something that is focused for fiction, that it's focused for the fiction listener. That helps creators. We have very we, our vision. Our vision for Apollo is that it helps creators make a living out of their work. Um, you know, we're we're at the very beginning of what what Apollo can be, and uh, we're very excited about where what Apollo can become and really change this industry and really become a uh, put audio fiction front and center. That is our that is our vision for for Apollo. And uh, in terms of the development process, we worked with a team in Colombia. We had uh, we have roots in Latin America especially uh, uh, the, the founders. And we were able to work with a, with a development team based in Colombia. They were actually based all across Latin America, some in Brazil, some in Ecuador. And, uh, and we worked all together to create uh, the first version of the app.
0: Are there any other like, audio fiction apps out there besides Apollo? Or is this the first uh, audio fiction app in the market?
1: Yeah, Apollo is the first to open RSS fiction podcast app. So it is the first podcast player, podcatcher, if you will, that uh, uses the RSS technology to distribute content. Um, we do have other, two other apps that we found in the market that only does fiction content. One of them is called Dramafy and the other one is called Realm, but they are closed. So for you to actually have your show there, you have to submit and their deliveries through MP3s, through files. So it's a very different, um, it's a very different technology for us. We're we're pretty much like any other podcast player. The main difference for us is that we're filtering out everything that is nonfiction.
0: So how does your app filter out the nonfiction podcast? Does it look at filter words
1: or keywords? You, you will be surprised, but it's all manual work uh, at this at this moment. So what we did is there is there is a website called the Podcast Index. And it's a phenomenal database of all podcasts in existence. Uh, They have over 4 million podcasts there. So what we did is they they have an API, and they allow you to pull the database uh, to your end. And there is a tag on the RSS called fiction, right? So all the fiction shows are tagged with fiction. That is not true, though, for all fiction shows. I should say, every show that is tagged with fiction is 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 most likely fiction. But not every fiction show is tagged as fiction. So I don't know if that yes, makes that's, sense. That's but so sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we so we uh we created um a system to analyze and scan this entire database of four million shows and we separated all the ones tagged as fiction. I think there were over forty thousand shows that were tagged as fiction in the podcast index. And we built a team. We we built a team of over like fifteen people all remote, all across the U.S. as well. And their work, their job, was to go through each one of these shows and market. And first of all, understand it if it's fiction or not. And then everything that was not fiction, they would discard. And then everything that was fiction, they tagged it with genre tags. So they were like, oh, this is a romance. Okay, so I'm going to put romance. Oh, this is a sci-fi show. And then they would put sci-fi. So it was all done manually, and to this day we do everything manually. But we are creating a way to automate it in the future.
0: Okay, so I'm actually looking at the app. I like the fact that they are like um so many like uh categories. But I also find that even for for like for every app out there, right, be it um uh, I guess Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other apps I tried, you always see the bigger podcasts being featured. So how do you, um? But the the other like smaller. Like companies, it is very hard. for other, other creators is really very hard for them to stand out. So, will you be addressing this issue as well in your app?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, our curation today is done by people. We we are working with other creators in the field, other independent creators, and we're working with uh Amber has been a fantastic curator. Uh, she's. Uh, they they've been with us for a while now. It's all human curated. It's all curated by human beings that go there and select the shows that think they're important for them. And you know, we're working with people who really love audio fiction and breathe and leave audio fiction. And so we are uh, curating the shows manually. It's not an algorithm. It's not. Um, it's not a formula. It's really passion and and, and admiration for a show. And, uh, and we do feature the indie shows. We do feature independent creators, smaller creators. The only thing that we look for is uh, we, we promote shows that we believe in, right? And shows that, um, that uh, we think are, are good stories at the end of the day. And so uh, we do not focus on, on big, big brands and big companies and big creators. Um, and we end up uh, featuring all sorts of creators and all sorts of works.
0: I noticed that a lot of the um, content is probably from the States, but will you look at other countries, other languages
1: as well? Yes. So right now our focus is um, the U.S. and English language. So most of our shows in, on Apollo right now are English language. But uh, we definitely want to add shows in other languages and even like localize the app um, for other languages we just don't have the band, the resources and the bandwidth to do this now. Uh, we're a very small team. We're only the three of us, me, Nick, and AJ, and the development team. Um, so we are extremely small, and and we don't have a lot of resources yet to, to expand to other languages. But that is something that we want to accomplish in the next, uh, I'm going to say within the next year or so.
0: As independent creators, what are your opinions on awards? Whether they will help you to, whether they are good marketing to. That is a
1: tricky question. Uh, I think what awards do is they legitimize the work that you put in, right? It's, it's, uh, it's not about uh, internal validation. I feel like internally, we, um, you know, especially the three of us going into this, we knew that we wanted to make something that we enjoyed. That was the first parameter. If we listened to it and we didn't like, then there was something wrong with it, right? If we don't like our own work, then we should go back and and try to understand where we went wrong, or why do we not like that work? Uh, I think that is the the first imperative, right, for every creator is: Are you, do you like your own work? Right? Are you are you are you proud of it? Are you are you happy with the results? And uh, that was the, the that is the first uh, the first parameter, right? It's uh it's to understand that. But what awards end up doing for us is we know podcasting is uh. Again, there there are millions of podcasts out there, right? four million podcasts out there. I think from a marketing standpoint, how do you differentiate yourself from from the other podcasts, right? When you when you are promoting your show, and the awards, um, the awards, you know, it's difficult because the awards are expensive, right? Many awards have a have high cost to entry, and so they are not fair. Not everyone can apply for awards and and it's uh it's it's not a fair system right to be to be honest but if you are able to right and if you are going for you know to to run it like like a business i think it's an interesting investment because you bring recognition. You bring you bring uh, external recognition. It's a group of peop- other people that listen to your work and said, "Hey, this is actually pretty good." And it's not for the internal part. It's not for the internal validation. But it's like, how do you how do you put your name across, right? Especially as an independent creator, like a first time creator. And uh, the best way to to do it, perhaps, is or one way to do it is awards. And so we we believe a lot in it, and um, we believe a lot in the in the power that it can bring if you combine it with the right strategy.
0: So after all your experience, like producing Earth Eclipse and having to pivot um, your company, right? Would you still recommend content creators who want um, to create their own fiction
1: podcasts? What would be your advice? Absolutely, I think the whole reason why we pivoted to Apollo is because we truly believe in this medium. And we think this medium is only going to grow. You know, if you look at every other media vertical, that is, if you look at books, if you look at audiobooks, if you look at TV, film, uh, every single other media vertical is dominated by fiction. People love fiction. People prefer fiction over anything else, and it is a um, it is a fact. Especially when you look at other verticals, at other media types, and that is not true in, in podcasting because podcasting by itself, it's still very at its infancy, right? It's still, it's still growing. It's still not, 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 not everyone knows what a podcast is. Uh, and then when we say fiction podcast, it already adds another layer of complexity there. So I think this medium is only going to grow. Uh, it is the future in my opinion of podcasting. I think that's where podcasting is going to go towards fiction, and that is where perhaps perhaps not podcasting but audio storytelling that is where it's going to go to fiction and i highly encourage like every single creator to to come up with stories i think uh, this is what the world needs and this is what other people need right that you come and tell your story and and tell stories that are not told by by the gatekeepers and this is the beauty of audio that it's um uh, it's still it's still expensive to do something well, but it's um, it's a much lower cost and it's a much more attainable medium for people, especially for independent creators.
0: On hindsight, would you have done anything different?
1: Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, no, you know Nick Aj and I, we always get on the call and we always say, "Oh, if you only knew that back in the day, we would have done things differently." But then we were like, well, we are only where we are today because of the decisions we we made in the past, and I think uh, I think one thing that I learned in this entire journey is that first of all, it's impossible to change the past, and uh, second, it's impossible to not make mistakes. Everyone make mistakes. Uh, when you create something, you're you're gonna make mistakes, especially when you are you know one of the first ones to do it. Like uh, with Apollo, uh, we 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 are the first ones to do a fiction podcast app, and there are a lot of things that we that we did and we made mistakes. And I think the important thing is not being afraid of of making mistakes. And if you make mistakes. Do not let them hold you back because I think everyone makes mistakes. Every single company made mistakes at their, at their beginning. And it's impossible. Mistakes is what, you know, they're part of us. They, they shape us into who we are today. And I think, um, you know, in hindsight, no, I wouldn't have done anything differently because every single decision that we made took us to this point. And I think uh, the point where we are is uh, is a good one. Like we figured we figured some things out and, you know, it's... it's um, yeah, very proud of everything that we did. But no, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Victor, for taking the time to talk to us. So how can we find you on social media? And how can we find you and your company
1: on social media? Oh, yes. I am horrible with social media. <laughs> I still have to improve my social media skills. But we are, uh, as Apollo Podcasts, on, on Instagram, on Twitter... Um, feel free to download the app. It's on, on iOS and Android. Available now for free. And uh, we are pretty active in our in our company social media. But uh, I personally am horrible with it, so I need to step up my game there.
0: <laughs> so do I. <laughs> it's funny because it's always the producers. Like you know, we are supposed to be promoting, but at the same time we are like, oh, oh man, there's so many things that we'd rather be doing <laughs> than promoting uh, our own there's social. There's so many things to
1: do. <laughs> It's, it's complicated.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all for this episode. Join us again next week. Follow us on our Instagram and Facebook. Listen to Freelance Creative Exchange on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever platforms you listen to podcasts on.